Hello and welcome to Who's Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And we've seen Green Book. That's right. At last, which is one of the um, one of the frontrunners, I think, for Oscars. It's one that people are talking about, but it's also one that people are talking about in quite a derisory way. Yes. Like, this is the film that looks like it's going to win the Oscars, but shouldn't, but doesn't deserve them. Yeah. Because this is, um, it's set in the 1960s on a, on a, a, a road trip through the Deep South with uh, a musician, Dr. Don Shirley, who's a real guy, mm. a black uh, musician, uh, and his uh, and his trio. He hires uh, an Italian-American bouncer uh, from New York, played by um, Viggo Mortensen. Uh, Dr. John Shirley is played by Mahershala Ali mm. from Moonlight. Um, he hires this bouncer, and over a, a, a eight weeks of comedy drama, they get to know each other, and um, Viggo Mortensen learns how to be a little bit less racist than usual. And it's basically how not to be racist for white people. Mm. Well, not exactly that, but it's, it's, it's kind of... It's the white man's version of sort of being woke in the 60s. It's like teaching the old guys in the academy. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's kind of a film that, that Sidney Poitier could have done, you know, in the, in the mid-1960s, and it wouldn't have seemed out of place then. Yeah. Um, I think it's a completely impoverished film, conceptually. Um, it looks quite slick, in a way, um, but it's so standard and conventional... And um, you see all the wheels turning. You can predict everything that's going to happen. And yes. really, the only thing that I found uh, praiseworthy um, is Viggo Mortensen's performance, which at the beginning I thought was too studied. It was too... I agree. Too much that. of an imitation of, you know... I didn't believe his accent at first. And I thought that was kind of part of the problem. So oh, I, did, no, I, I, do, I believe that. Yeah. I, I, well, I mean... But I think what we're sort of both into is we kind of didn't believe him as this working class Italian American. I, I didn't at the beginning, but yeah. you know, as the movie progressed, he really won me over, and I thought he was really, really good. And I, actually, it's a really brilliant performance because he puts in certain gestures uh, or grunts. I did love that he's got a body like mine, you know. Now and he's you willing, wish, yeah, right, <laughs> uh, and he's willing to show it. You know, so he's, he put on a whole bunch of weight in the film, and and he's very cuddly and and, and lovely with it actually. Um, he's a little, he look he's got. I mean, I'd say you're you're doing yourself a little bit of uh, praise there by saying you look like him in this film. You can he's, fuck off. He's my chunky. Good glass. <laughs> no, he's kind of like he's like um, uh, he's like Joaquin Phoenix looked, and you were never really here. You know, no. He's put yeah, he is. He's put on pounds, but there's he's but there's put a big on guy underneath. A lot of pounds, right? Uh, and you know, he's, he's got a big belly and he's quite squat, you know, and, and actually I really love that about him, you know, kind of. I thought of, he looked great. Well, I didn't think he looked great. I'm just great. saying, I don't think you could be a bouncer in the 1960s, that's all I'm saying. I don't think you'd intimidate anyone like he does. Well, you know, <laughs> we'd have to put that to the test at some point. Uh, um, but as, I, anyway, I don't looks, care. The, looks the thing the is... You know, he looks 50-odd years old, and he looks like he's, you know... He looks like, like somebody who's still a bouncer. He's got muscles, right? He's got a lot of, of, of muscle, but also he's, he's, he's filled out, really. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and actually there's something kind of, I don't know, really masculine and, 
and cuddly and comfortable about that, yeah, in the way that he presents. He's a family man, he's in love with his wife, he's very secure in who he is, right? And actually kind of having that kind of body and displaying it in that way is part of conveying that. I agree. And uh, on the other hand, you've got Don Shirley, Mahershala Ali's character, who is not comfortable in himself, really, or it, it, not in some ways. So he's presented as a fish out of water in that not only does he... He doesn't fit in in America. Um, he, he can't, he, he's okay in the North, where people kind of get along, but he goes to the Deep South, and the project of the film is to, is to show him not being respected mm. as this kind of great virtuoso mag- mag- musician um, that, you know, he's told to, to use different bathrooms and he's not allowed to eat in the same restaurants as everyone else and all that sort of thing. But um, when he was revealed about halfway through to be gay... Yeah. Um, I immediately realized I, I saw all the ways that he had been coded as gay up until that point that I had not really paid any attention to, and I meet, and then once you see him having been caught in a bathhouse mm. um, with another guy and the police are there, you go, oh, of course, of course, he was gay, you know. So there's the thing about how he he uh, he was married and it didn't last, how he's um, sitting alone on his balcony drinking alone while the other members of the band, the other two, mm. are hanging out with girls, chatting. Mm. Um, uh, just the kind of the look of his apartment over the Carnegie Hall, you know, it's kind of full of all this stuff and it's kind of, it, it's, a, it's an apartment which is very lonely, kind of unloved, and it is full of things that you kind of feel like, you feel like it's, um, it's being filled with stuff to distract from something else, you know, the, it's clearly very lonely. Um, which is not to say like it was obvious that he had to be gay, like it might have been that... Actually, there, I thought the film cheated on that because... You know, so almost at the very beginning, it tells you that he's divorced, mm. right? And then that's kind of a setup for you to read him in a particular way. So, you know, kind of I was reading him as this very prissy, overly educated, you know, kind of person who um, kind of had a chip in his shoulder about, you know, that acquisition of education. It's a type as well. Yes. You know, so kind of... Um, I was, that's you, what you, I mean like it could have gone other ways it didn't, uh, yeah. it didn't have to be that he was gay but there is a certain level of coding that, that once it's revealed that he's gay these things fall into place yeah, yeah. No, so that's thought through um, you know and that's good um, but for me kind of the main fault uh, of the film is it's a road movie right and so it's got kind of a dual narrative in which on the one hand the film is making a comment about America in the early 60s Right, and it's also kind of making a comment about the transformation that both of these men go through, right? And that's kind of like a neat, actually, it's it's almost like a tripartite interconnecting kind of series of narratives. I just think that it's really banal. I think that the characterization of Viggo Mortensen's character Tony Mm. is actually pretty inconsistent, and it was a problem for me. So Uh, I like everything you described about about his look and the way he kind of embodies his character and the, the manliness and the security in himself. I, I think that's all really good. But there is this thing about, about his racism, which I think is inconsistent and, and, and not a little banal. So um, right at the start of the film, he, he, he works nights, so he sleeps during the day and he wakes up and his entire family has shown up to chaperone his wife, basically, because the workman that some company has sent over to work in his apartment are black. Mm. And so the family has woken up saying, oh, we're not happy with this. 
and nor nor is he, but he was just sleeping through it. And he throws away the glasses that those two men have drunk from. Mm. Right? And I had a problem I mean I had a problem as well with the wife played by Linda Carlini, who's kind of she, so he throws away the glasses and you go, well, because he doesn't want to drink from the glasses because he's super racist. Um, and she sees them in the bin and takes them out. And she, and she does this kind of sigh, this kind of, if only my husband was enlightened like they are in 2019. Well, Because uh, right at the end of the film, when he's invited to spend Christmas with them, she, there's a similar kind of, oh, I'm so glad that my husband has learned not to be racist. Like she somehow has all the answers. I, I don't know. I mean, I think the film, um, I think the film is doing very interesting things with that. But I do think that the way that that's written, that opening scene is terrible, right? Because it sets up stuff that the, fil- the subsequent film doesn't deliver. This is so, what I'm kind of getting to, I think. Yeah. Because so it's, it sets him up as someone who, who acts in a racist way. Who throwing away these glasses is not a minor act. Yes. Um, but then the racism that he displays subsequently is nothing like because overt. And actually, really, all that's happened is you've been told by other characters that he's racist. When they find out that he's going on this two-month trip where a black man is going to be his boss, they go, oh, you're not going to last three weeks. That mm. sort of thing. You know, you're going to punch him, then you're going to come home. Are you going to get fired or what have you? Um, but every interaction you see between them is essentially respectful. Um, he has these... There are these... There are, there's always this thing kind of poking through of like he makes these assumptions about him that he assumes that he likes fried chicken he assumes that he should know who uh, you know, he should have heard Chubby Checker and whatever um, so it, it kind of does it through these microaggressions but as far as the, the racism that you were kind of I think told to expect from him it's not there and I think that characterization is inconsistent well I think I don't think there's a characterization I think the film sets up one thing you know, that it doesn't deliver on. And that is beyond the powers of Viggo Mortensen's performance, really. Um, and, and, and the character is drawn in a way that I think is kind of unimaginable and inconsistent. You know, how could a bouncer in the Copacabana in kind of 1960s, you know, throw glasses in the bin of black people who drank? I mean, that's just ludicrous, mm. really. You know, and how somebody who's grown up in New York and who, as he says... You know, he's worked in clubs all his life and he's seen everything life has to offer, you know. I yeah, when, when he comes across so, uh, Mahershala Ali, uh, when he comes across Don Shirley uh, with the other guy and discovers yeah. that he's gay, he's like, I see this all the time. Exactly. And it's no, so, it doesn't even come up. That's inconsistent characterization. That's, well, that's inconsistent writing. Sure. Right? So characterization, I think for me, normally kind of refers to the performance and I actually, okay. you know, don't think it's a, it's a problem. Writing then, that's what I yeah. yeah. So, um, but I agree. And actually the film then treats it in a kind of a much more complex and interesting way, right? So, you know, there is kind of this casual racism of, you know, referring to black people as eggplants, which, yeah. you know, is kind of when they speak in Italian, that's kind of what they're saying, you know. And, yeah, you, you see kind of... Yeah, there's a lot of... You, you can see how the character is racist in all of these different ways, but how actually he doesn't actively think in, of himself in those ways. Yeah. Yeah, which is very different than that throwing the glasses in the bin. Yeah, moment, absolutely. Right? You know, and which I think is a lot more interesting. It is. Right? You know, so he's talking... You know, so then he finds out that kind of Italians in the South are treated as like, you know, uh, almost as bad. Or, and then, you know, there's a discussion with um, Maharshali Ali about how really it's not comparable for all kinds of reasons. There's like, there's, there are kind of interesting, 
things um, that are discussed in a kind of a more nuanced way, but by nuance, I still mean it's like lessons in racism 101. Yeah, it's right. none too subtle. Um, so, so, like, so I, I think there are these there is setups that the film gets into, such as you know they they're pulled over by a cop, mm. and then it becomes well, why is a white man driving a black man? This mm. is in the deep south, um, and that's very suspicious. And then, uh, it, uh, having seen his ID, the cop discovers that uh, Viggo Mortensen's character is Italian mm. and he says you're a Dago or whatever, mm. I can't remember the word, maybe Dago, I can't remember the word, basically says, oh, no, he's, uh, no he's, I think he says you're, you're half a nigger yourself. Yes, that's what he says. That's right. And, and Tony punches him in the face. Yes. And then there's this whole discussion about, you know, when they're in prison, they're in the jail cell together. I didn't do anything wrong here, Don mm. Shirley is saying, yet you, yeah, I'm the one who's paying the price. Is because of what he said to you, not because of the way he was treating me that you lashed out, that sort of thing. So it sets up these things, but everything is then explained quite laboriously through these really shit kind of Socratic dialogues that just lay everything out in dialogue to yeah. make you understand. There's a smugness to the film as well that I don't like. So when when he's arrested and then he's sent to jail and he says, you know, but why am I here? I haven't done anything. You know, kind of then the film has this moment and spoilers here where actually he makes a phone call and instead of calling his lawyer... He calls Robert Kennedy, who at that time was Attorney General, right, and who gets him out of the the the, the jail. So so there's an interesting kind of intersection there of you know of power, of class, of money, of race, yeah, yeah all in one little kind of um, nugget of a scene. And, and actually, I think those things are handled quite well. So I mean, I think there there are things that I admire about the film. So the performances, also. The way that it draws out the humor in situations, it you know, it's quite a funny film, yeah. and I think the director makes it funny in interesting ways, and there's a lovely interplay between the actors that draws on the humor. All of that is wonderful. Peter Farrelly is the director who yeah. made, made his name in comedy. The preachiness of the film and the smugness and the the it's so uh, it's full of platitudes, yeah. right? Uh, and it's really banal. Kind of. I think platitudes is the right word. It, does, it doesn't say anything you wouldn't want it to say. It doesn't say yes. anything you wouldn't expect. It doesn't really challenge anything. It, I had, it had moments that were, to me, so cringeworthy. I mean, you know, as the film uh, went towards the end, it kind of, there were things that were just so predictable and really so cringeworthy when they appeared that it kind of made me itchy, really. Um, and which is too bad because there, there, are re- there are things that I really like about it. So, you know, one of the things is it is a road movie, right? So you're seeing all this beautiful landscape and it's almost like, you know, the structure of the film is these conversations that take place on the road as you're watching like this beautiful kind of pristine landscape, right? Um, and then it stops in some racist town and there's an incident of some kind or another, right? That's kind yeah. of basically the structure of the film. So I think there's a message there about you know, the beauty of the plays and the ugliness of the structures and the attitudes, yeah. Uh, but again... Well, yeah. I mean, that's what... I mean, that, that shot right in the middle of 12 Years a Slave mm. when um, when he's, he's being hanged and it's and it holds on that shot for a very, very long time and, it's, and he's being hanged off this tree in the middle of the most beautiful yes. sort of pastoral, green, sort of idyllic garden. Um, like, that is that shot. Yeah. But just, like, in a whole movie. <laughs> yes. And there are things that are just, like, so overstated. So, you know, there's a scene where they stop and there's a field, 
you know, and there's all these um, black field hands. Yeah, I didn't like that. Kind yeah. of, you know, ugh. And yeah, he sees them and they see him and then a bit of music comes up, a bit of strings. It does yes. this a few times. You know, a bit of strings come up to it to emphasise that that uh, it, it's very sad or whatever. Yeah. And and actually, the, one thing I didn't like about that, and I was noticing it while it was happening, was there was like two shots in that scene where they were even in the same shot together. You know? Like, I get... I, I mean, obviously there's a distance between them, but actually to, to see them in the same shot together would have emphasised that difference. Yes. But actually, look, they were just filmed at different times. Yes. Like, it didn't... It, it actually, I think, I think visually the film is trash. Yes. It, I mean, it looks fine, but it's completely inexpressive and unimaginative yeah. visually it's it just is. it just looks the camera's just been put there and some things have been framed yeah it, it it's illustrative of the action it doesn't express anything through it no I agree um, um, when you think it really could like when they get into that really smoky bar or when there's a kind of yes. um, when, when they're playing in those basically they, they play in a lot of houses which are sort of the big house on plantations really what yes. they are um, you think they would have done something really kind of expressive and intimidating with those places that's it's just... a film that's all surface it has no depth Right, and it has no depth, like you say, on an expressive level, and just on you know the use of camera or movement or editing or even decor and costuming. Like, you know, kind of, it is all illustrative. The costumes are saying these are rich people at a party in the early nineteen sixties. That's all. Yeah, you know, um, everything. So, everything comes out of dialogue. Yeah, everything is expressed. You you don't learn anything from the film that doesn't come through dialogue. Yes, really, um, very little. And there's and actually there's. I also didn't like the whole thing of, and it's part of the way that the Maharshali Ali character is um, constructed, so that, you know, he's basically, he's a person out of place, so as he says in a speech near the end, he's not black enough, he's not white enough, he's not, you know, man enough, or whatever, right? But, but actually the film is kind of constantly underlining how he is at odds with, you know, the dominant or mainstream or currents of black culture of that period. You know, so the Viggo Mortensen character is always having to educate him about Little Richard and Chubby Checker and Aretha Franklin, yeah. right? And so on. Which really, I kind of, it's just, I think, too much, right? Like because Because actually there's also things about, so he says, my mother taught me to play the piano. You know, and actually I made a living going through, you know, all of the little towns in the panhandle of Florida. Kind of. So how divorced can somebody who grew up there doing that be? So then, you know, it tells you, well, when I was a teenager then I went to the conservatoire in Stalingrad or whatever. Fine, right? So, you know, then kind of you go somewhere else and you learn something else and it creates a distance. But to make it seem as if he's like, you know, some spaceman who's been like yeah. kind of put in the middle of that culture with no knowledge of it is absurd. And then, of course, they they skip playing the final show in Birmingham, Alabama, because they basically get sick of being treated like shit. Um, and they go off to this dive, yes. uh, which is uh, basically all black people in there. Um, and he gets onto the piano. Yes. And he plays something very beautiful from, you know, his, his repertoire. Um but then the band comes on stage and immediately he just gets in with the just twelve bar blues and he yeah. just and he just fits in. So like so again, there's inconsistency in there. Like yes. I guess I guess part of it is just saying he's such a great musician, he can do whatever, but he he's part of it and he's happy there and he's smiling and blah 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 and it's like he's found where he fits, which again is sort of um it's not all that sort of enlightenment. It's like all all he needed in the end 
was to play normal 12-bar blues with a black audience. Mm. <laughs> really? Is that all you needed? I mean, I, don't I think, think so. I think this film being nominated for an Academy Award is a little bit like Crash. It's It just lacks complexity and depth, this film. And actually, mm. it's not... It's not very aware of the medium. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah, it spells far too much out. But um, everything that you said about uh, about Viggo Mortensen's performance and uh, all that, I, I think is is true. I think his character is really good. I, I think it's great. I think I think as well. You know, I like um, I like uh, Don Shirley as well, uh, and I like Mahershala Ali's performance. And I think, although I think there is there isn't a certain issue around sort of. Um, just a lack of imagination with the with the coding and this conceptualization is just out of place in every way. Nonetheless, there's also something about that that, that I like, and what I really like is their interplay. Like yes. I really, I really expected to dislike a lot of that. I expected to dislike this movie really more than I do. Um, but their performances and the interplay between the characters and the humor that comes out of it, I think is fantastic. I actually, I really well, enjoy that. I want to put a caveat because actually, I I I really love Viggo Mortensen's performance. I'm not so enamored of Mahershala Ali's. I mean, he wins me over, right? And he's and he's quite good. He's, I think he's a great actor. But there's there's a real, I think there's a real element missing in his performance. You know, which a better knowledge of gay culture or mm. you know would have brought out. I mean, for example, there's no there's never any intimation of him desiring men, right? Or even like kind of. I don't know, an awkwardness or a discomfort and kind of sleeping with us in the same room as, mm. you know, uh, um, uh, uh, Viggo Mortensen. I mean, those are things that kind of just, you know, somebody better versed would have brought in either awkwardnesses or desire, just a glance or, you know, all of these things are missing. Yeah. Like, you know, kind of, um, so, so I kind of, I, that feels like it's down to writing and direction to me rather than the actor. I think it's the actor as well. I mean, you know, he could have... I mean, you know, he's certainly good at kind of making the prissiness, you know, and a kind of... Um, Aloofness. He's asked to be aloof all throughout. Yeah. But actually, the thing about desiring and also a kind of a knowledge of the world that comes from a certain perspective and which men of that era dealt with a kind of a campiness... You know, which was kind of an acknowledgement of the problem, but undercutting it with humor, right? That nonetheless raised the problem. There were just a few things that could have been done mm. that feel like a vacuum in his performance to me. Mm. So anyway, I'm surprised. Um, this is this is kind of this is slightly tangential. Well, it's quite tangential, but um, the title Green Book refers to. Um, ref well, I knew what the title was, but I didn't know what it referred to when I heard well, it four I months did, ago. I did. And I, I, just coincidentally, it was in the last week that I learned what the Green Book was, and it was from this show on Netflix, which everyone should watch, called um, Trigger Warning with Killer Mike, which I've already recommended to you. Mm. Um, where K Killer Mike is this uh, rapper from Atlanta, big fat black guy, he's great, and um, and he, uh, this is six episodes of about half an hour long each, where he just kind of comedically and 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 seriously um, looks at various issues with with America and and kind of modern life and in the first one um he tries to live black for 3 days what living black means in this context is only using black businesses you buying stuff from black companies uh, eating food that was farmed by black farmers that sort of thing and what he discovers is that it's nearly impossible um like there's this thing about how uh, within 
like white and Asian communities in America, um, a dollar that is spent in that community stays there for something like 28 days before it is, ends up somewhere else. And in the black community, a dollar will stay there for three hours on average mm. before it's released. Um, like black businesses just don't kind of exist in the same way. Um, and he refers to the Green Book in, in that show. Where, and what it is, is this directory of black businesses and places that black people can stay and eat and all that sort of stuff. And it comes out of segregation and how you weren't allowed to use white businesses, so you had to have your own. And actually, in a uncomfortable way, black business thrived because of that. Um, and he says, like, there's no such thing as a green book these days because these black businesses no longer exist in the same mm. way. Anyway, um, that's tangential because that's just really the title of the movie and it's used in the film. But I, what I really just wanted to say is that people should really watch Trigger Warning with Killer Mike because mm. it's really good. Um, anyway, just to say, The Green Book was uh, a booklet put out, I think, by the American Automobile Association of uh, where uh, black people could stay when traveling in the South. So black motels and black restaurants and so on, because of the Jim Crow laws, uh, which meant that everything was segregated. It was a book that uh, was designed to kind of make the whole experience of travel more comfortable for black people by just directing them straight away rather than them undergoing the humiliation of being turned down kind of at restaurants and, and, and motels. It was a guide. Yeah. Yeah. So... It is, it is really banal, but I must say that I expected to hate it loads, to be honest, and I didn't. And actually, when it comes to the final scene, you know, and it is as predictable as anything where Don Shirley comes round for Christmas and they all spend Christmas together with, and the family accepts mm. him and finds him a place at the table despite having been racist all along. Um, I, I was smiling. Right at the end there. I was well, smiling. And actually, that's where that's where Mahershala Ali gets to do something a little bit different, I think, because yeah. he he warms then and he smile, He breaks into a smile. You've barely seen him do that throughout yeah. the film. And that feels really nice. Nice, it does. But, you know, to me, the main reason to see the film is Viggo Mortensen. I think, you know, he gives a, a really great performance. And also, it's his warmest performance, you know, because he's been around for so long and I've admired him, but I've never really liked him mm. you know even like the lord of the rings films the cronenberg the you know he's often so good and he's always very charismatic and watchable you know but there's always kind of something distanced about him or you know and i think this is like it's his warmest performance his most appealing performance whilst also being i think a really great performance i think that's right i love i love how much you can tell that he loves his wife Anyway, I think that's it. I would recommend that people go see it, um, though, you know, go in with quite low expectations. The reason to go see it is really the performances. And actually, it has a lightness of tone as well. Um, and, and, you know, I'm a sucker for road movies and I love seeing the landscape. So um, it, it actually has quite a bit going for it. Um, you... you you wouldn't miss too much if you saw it on television, mm. except maybe the feeling of watching it with an audience, which, you know, in this type of comedy always really enhances the experience. Yeah, kind of people respond to what they're watching and kind of you're a part of that and you respond to their response sometimes. So I think um, there are many reasons to, to see uh, this film, but don't go in with very high expectations. Yeah, no, it's like a guarded recommendation. Yeah. Because it it is... 
banal mm. and it does explain itself way too much in dialogue mm. but um, but it's actually kind of likeable really mm. who says racism has to be depressing what a killer line Rhino uh, thanks for listening <laughs> yes cheerio Thank <music> you.